Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Steve S. Palmer. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Chris, you're not that bad, really. I know a doctor that can help you. Hey, it's great to be here today. And... Um, I'd like to share a few things with you, but before I do, I, I appreciate what um, Jordan was telling you about kids' ministry. I want to tell you that I think the children are the most important ministry of the church and not the church. You've heard me say this before. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Yeah. They don't have a little pint-sized Holy Spirit to fill their bodies. They've got the same Holy Spirit that we do. Yeah. Kids can heal the sick. They can cast out demons. They can preach the gospel and prophesy we're watching them do that. So kids are important. I just wanted to share um, that how we feel about the kids. But, but uh, our belief, I want to read our belief statement to you just so you know how important that providence feels about children. We base everything we do on the love of the Father, the finished work of Jesus, and the power of the Spirit. We want children to operate from God's approval instead of striving for it. We invite children to embrace their birthright as sons and daughters of their Heavenly Father. Therefore, we believe children have the same Holy Spirit that adults do, not a mini one to fit their bodies. We believe children can operate in the power of the Spirit. They can heal the sick, cast out demons, prophesy. They can read, learn, and teach the Word of God. We believe children's ministry is one of the greatest entrustments the Lord gave us. We believe children are not only the church of tomorrow, but the church of today. We believe children deserve the best of our efforts and resources and should learn in a nurturing, fun atmosphere. We believe every child should be treated with love, kindness, respect, and honor. So we welcome you to join us. And parents, you're more than welcome to come back and visit and see what we're doing with your kids. So here we go. Does this thing go up a little bit? Okay. I'm not as short as I used to be. Getting taller. Well, it's an honor to share with you on Father's Day. I, I, I have some notes because sometimes when I'm in front of a crowd, I, I, I kind of forget everything. And I look at my notes once in a while. Now it's too tall. Now, gee. Okay, there we go. I have a doctor that can help you. <laughs> I knew they shouldn't have let you in here today. So, is Tom Sipling here anywhere? Yeah. Where? And Cindy. Is that your wife, Cindy? Yeah. I, okay, I'll take your word for it. I can't see her from here. <laughs> I, I know you've met Tom before, but I, it's really interesting. Um, when my wife and I uh, moved here from California 29 years ago to be children's pastors at a, a church, Tom happened to be the, the youth pastor. Tom and Cindy were the youth pastors. And it's hysterical that here we are 29 years later, and uh, I'm here working with the children, and Tom is the new youth pastor. So isn't that amazing? And, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm putting this. Tom did not pay me to do this. He'd ha I, actually, I pay him to let me say this. But Tom and Cindy, as far as I'm concerned, are the best youth pastors I've seen in the world, and I have been around the world many times, and I know my own, uh, two of my oldest daughters just blossomed 
under, under their ministry. And uh, it was, it's amazing. Your kids are really going to be blessed by being in their ministry. And also, you adult staff that are on with them, you're going to love Tom and Cindy. But what's interesting is how our lives kind of paralleled a lot. I, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, Tom was working with children, I mean, youth here in America. Then he ended up going to uh, South Africa, he and Cindy doing youth missions. And my wife and I ended up uh, uh, starting a missions organization about in 2007. And I ended up un 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 inadvertently um, working with youth myself. We were praying about where we were supposed to live. Should we move to Cyprus? Should we live in Europe? And then that gets us closer to Africa, India, places that we were going to go in and out of. And um, when we were uh, in Austria uh, visiting some missionary friends, uh, they asked me to speak one night, and I was, I was sharing what Jesus did in my life, and the Holy Spirit just kind of fell on these kids, and they started crying and shaking, and this, this revival broke out, and it went on for two or three years where they were bringing their friends, and kids were getting saved, so we ended up, instead of traveling uh, to India and Africa during that period, we just worked with this incredible, um, nurtured this revival among, among the, children, uh, the youth, and then um, it turned into something else, and we ended up uh, with more youth. Tom, you didn't know I had so much youth ministry, did you? See, you just thought it was kids and, and big kids in diapers like that guy over there, you know. But <laughs> And um, we ended up having a ministry to death metal kids in bars, so we had a bar ministry with teenagers for a number of years as well. So... Our lives kind of paralleled. Then we came back to the States. Thomas, Cindy came back to the States. We migrated here. They migrated here. And stop following me, will you? <laughs> Gee. So it's just really, it's really something how, how, God, how things like that happen. And um, do you mind if I use two tables? I, I need one for my, my Bible. And, um, but one of the conversations uh, Tom and I have had a number of times, it's about prayer. He goes, he goes why, why aren't people praying? Why is it so hard to get people to pray? And most of us do pray to a point. Um, I'll tell you one of the most powerful prayers in the world. It's one word. Help! Right? That's, that's a good prayer. God answers that prayer. But if all you ever say is help, 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 you'll get a lot of help. But that's about it. And if all you ever said, if you, if you only said that to your family or to your friends, help, help, you get a lot of help, but there wouldn't be much of a relationship. And um, God wants more than that from us because God, what God wants is, is a relationship. And today, you know, God is a father. He's not the CEO of some corporation. You know what I mean? Sometimes churches start getting, it just feels like you're in the corporate world, but God is a father. We're a family. And that, that hits a lot of buttons. I'll tell you a little bit about my own story as, as this message goes on. Sometimes hearing the word father isn't the best thing to hear in the world. And I, and I hope that today that, that might change because God is relational. He's a father and he's been lied about. So today's message really isn't about prayer as much as God being a good father. So if prayer flows from a relationship with a good father, why aren't people praying? And I'll say this. It's hard to have a relationship with someone if you think that they're mad at you. 
It's hard to have a relationship with someone when you think they aren't pleased with you. It's hard to have a relationship with someone when you think they're unhappy with your performance. It's hard to have a relationship with someone when you think they're going to punish you. And unfortunately, many of us feel that way about God. I think a lot of uh, the, one of the main reasons many of us don't pray like we should or could or get in the word like we should or could is because we feel like God is, is not happy with us. And I just want to say today that God is not mad at you. If you remember anything at all about what I'm saying today, it's God is not mad at you. It's quite the opposite. God is pleased with you. You know, for many years, um, my wife and I were involved with uh, Vineyard Christian Fellowship, and I sat under amazing people like Eddie Peorick and learned about the Father's love. I got to hang out with people like Jack Frost and learn about the Father's love, and Charles Stock and learn about the Father's love. And the message of the Father's love did change my life. But always in the back of my mind was, okay, he might love me, but I screwed up there. He's not happy. I didn't do that right. I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Does anybody ever go through stuff like that, or is it just me? I know I'm not alone. That was a setup. That was a trick question. I do a lot, a lot, a lot of, of uh, soul care during the week, and I, I can honestly tell you that 90% or more of the people that I minister to don't really believe that God loves them. They know it in their head, but they don't believe it in their heart because of various issues that Jesus wants to heal. But you know what really helped me understand or receive the Father's love without fear. Many people believe God loves them, but they're afraid they're going to get punished. You know, when, when you read the Old Testament the wrong way, you're going to get the wrong message. If I, if I just walked into your house and went in your medicine cabinet because I had a headache and I, I just grabbed any pill I saw, that is not a very smart idea, is it? You don't take other people's medicine. And a lot of times we read the Old Testament with a wrong understanding of it. Well, look, God was mad here. God punished him there. And this happened and that happened. And so we think that's what God's like. But God is not like that. The Old Testament's point was to show you that nobody could live by rules and regulations and please God. That all changed. And I'm going I'm to share some of that. Um, that all changed when Christ came. And, you know, that's why a lot of people don't like to hear the gospel. You know, the gospel means good news. But to a lot of people in the street, when they hear, they don't think the gospel is good news because all they've heard is, well, God's mad at you. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it becomes this big performance thing, and that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is good news that God loves us so much that it was his idea to pay the penalty for sin so that we could be forgiven because he wanted to have a relationship with us. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. You know that verse by any chance? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, it was God's idea to bring us to himself. It wasn't our idea. It was God's idea. All God's anger, all God's anger is at sin, not at us. 
we read about God's wrath. God's wrath is not against us. It's against sin. There's a big difference. And God took care of the sin problem himself because he took all his wrath against sin on the cross. That's the good news. The good news is we don't have to do anything to get it except receive it. And grace creates a problem for some people because we feel we have to work to earn it. And God says, you can't earn this. It's a gift. You either receive it or you don't have it. It's, it's, it's a faith thing. It's not a works thing. I needed to understand grace. I understood the Father's love, but I didn't understand that everything is covered. See, people get nervous. Look, I can tell some people get nervous already. Oh, here he goes. You know, here he goes with his grace stuff. Some people just like to think God's mad at him. It makes them feel better. Romans 3.25. I want to read some scripture. 3.22 through 25. It talks about propitiation. See, we need to understand a little bit of theology here. Here it is. What pro, the word propitiation means the one who takes away sin or the one who turns aside wrath. So here's what Romans uh, 3.22 on says. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation deals with the wrath of God. There's a number of verses that say that. But do you understand, God's wrath is not against you. It's against sin. I don't understand cosmic justice. I can't possibly understand God's holiness. I don't understand that, uh, oh, I have to stay here, don't I? I, I don't have one of those things. I, I have to have two hands. I'm Italian. I can't talk, you know. You know, I, I, see, I have a speech impediment with one hand. So, but his... We don't understand grace. And if you don't understand grace, you can't understand God's love. I don't understand, as I was saying, I don't understand God's holiness. I mean, he is holy. He's separate. He's other. There's no sin in him. There's no darkness in him. He hates sin, okay? But he doesn't hate us. But for some reason in his cosmic justice, Sin has to be punished, and the only way to take care of sin is through blood. And you know, it's interesting. You go through all of history, ancient cultures, it's all the same. There's elements of this. It's just, it's the truth, distorted in many, obviously, ancient cultures. But the point is, there has to be a blood sacrifice. I don't know why, but there has to be. And, or we have to live perfect lives, which obviously none of us have, or you wouldn't be in this room right now, right? So God had the solution himself. He became the sacrifice. He endured all the wrath against sin in our behalf so that we could have a connection with God and be close to God. That's incredible. 
Another word used in the scripture is the word reconciliation. And it's in a number of scriptures. The basic meaning of the word reconcile is to change completely. In reference to salvation, reconciliation is the act by which God brings man into a completely changed relationship with himself. From enmity and hostility and alienation to friendship and harmony and fellowship. Romans 5.10, for in while we were enemies, while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have been reconciled. We are in relationship with God. And it's better than just being in relationship. It says he makes us sons. He makes us daughters. We are, it's not just some paper adoption. His DNA, when we're born again, his DNA just comes in us. When Paul rebuked the Corinthians, he said, you're acting like mere mortals. We're not mere mortals anymore. We have divine DNA in us because we're God's children. That's, that's good news. That's why it's called good news, right? How many are tracking with me so far? This is good theology. It's really important we know what we believe. This is why a lot of us struggle with thinking God's mad at us because we didn't do things right. Listen, it doesn't, sure, does it matter if you screw up? Sure, because it hurts you, it hurts other people, but it doesn't change your relationship with God. Actually, in Hebrews 10, it says, because of what Jesus did, we are perfect in his sight. We're perfect in God's sight. And there's nothing we can do. It's called the finished work of Christ. It's once and for all. In Hebrews 7, it says Jesus sat down. That's it. It's over. It's done. Once and for all. And that gets applied to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When God looks at us, what if you screwed up? What if you messed up? You're still righteous. You're still forgiven. Well, won't that make you sin more? I don't know about you. The more I feel that God loves me, the more I see how he's forgiven me, the more I want to do the right thing out of, out of gratitude. Yeah. I, I want to read these, these notes because these, these are good. These are good. I, do we believe that God loves us with unchanging love? I know you do in your head, but do we believe it in our hearts? Do we believe that even if we just failed or make a mis made a mistake? This is where the rubber meets the road in our everyday Christian walk. Okay, I am here to tell you today beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you with an everlasting love. His love is unconditional, you know, no strings attached. His, it's a love that's so pure, pristine, and marvelous. It has nothing to do with our performance, but everything to do with who we are in his eyes. Phil was sharing that in that powerful worship session before, remember, when he said, the worthy one is the one that tells us who we are. The emphasis of the old covenant of law was about your love for God. Whereas the emphasis of the new covenant of grace is about God's love for you. The sum total of the law under the old covenant is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all, their heart, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And let's be honest here. Do you know anybody who does that? 
Really, do you know anybody who's actually done that? No, it's impossible. The law was designed to show us that we're incapable of loving God perfectly. Knowing that a man wouldn't be able to fulfill his commandment to love him with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, all his strength, do you know what God did? He demonstrated, he demonstrated how only he could love us with all his heart, his soul, and all his mind, and all his strength when he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. This is why the new covenant's not about your love for God. It's about God's love for you. Isn't that great? We love him because he first loved us. The focus, and I've, I've met so many Christians that struggle. I don't know if I love him enough. I don't know if I'm doing enough. That's all wrong. The focus is how much he loves me. He loves me so much. He loves me so much. He's forgiven me of so much. It's, that's the focus, not navel-gazing, but cross-gazing. I have a, a, a really good friend. He's a prophet. He lives in New Hampshire, and he has these wild encounters with God. And he called me up um, the day Tom, Tom and I were, were moving, <laughs> I don't know, a couple months ago. And he said, Steve, i got to tell you what happened to me. And he was in his prayer room just praying, and he had a, a vision. And in this vision, he was in John chapter 21 where Jesus was on the beach and some of the disciples were fishing. Remember that story? And he had a fire going and some bread and he called them in and they came in and he saw Jesus laying hands on each one of them, praying over them. He said he saw Thomas, he saw Peter and John and, and he said Jesus came up to him and laid hands on him and with Jesus was praying for him. And he said he was just sobbing and sobbing because Jesus was just. And he goes, after about 15, 20 minutes, Jesus was leaving. And the Holy Spirit just prompted him and said, you can ask Jesus anything you want. And all of a sudden, he's like, I don't know what to ask. I don't, I, I don't know what to ask. And he, he's stressing out like, hey, Jesus is leaving. I, I want I, What am I going to ask? And he blurts out, Jesus, how can I love you more? And Jesus turned around and said, you can't. The only way you can love me more is by receiving more of my love for you. You can only love him back by receiving the love he has for you. It's not incredible. And today, Father's Day is pretty it's good for some people, bad for some people. Having grown up in a very dysfunctional Italian home, it was very bad. Because like Phil was talking about, lots of word curses, lots, lots of anger, lots of performance. And it took a while to get healed of these false images of God. Because God is not, it's good. And even if you have a great, great earthly father. You know, I tease Chris to pray a lot because he teases me a lot. But I'll tell you what. That man is a great father. He's a great father to his children, and he's a great father to us here at Providence. And even a great father can't compare to how great God is as a father. And if you want to get a great idea of what God the Father is like, read Luke 15, the famous parable of the prodigal son. That is the heart of God. Man, if I did what that kid did, 
my dad would have killed me and punished me the rest of my life. Do you all know the story? Am I, am I talking Greek here? It's the story about the kid who told his dad to drop dead and cashed in his inheritance. Do you know that story? And went out and blew everything on wild living and then he, he comes crawling back and it says, well, the father saw him far off, which means he was looking for him. And it says that the father ran to his son and hugged his son and kissed him. And the kid couldn't even apologize because his dad was so happy to see him. And he said, don't worry about it. And he had the best robe put on him. And he had a party. And he gave him the keys to the Mercedes and the platinum credit card. And everything was, I wouldn't do that. And when Jesus told that story, it truly was scandalous. That was a, you don't, in that culture, kids were stoned to death for that. It was scandalous. But Jesus was showing us the heart of our Father. And that's how he is with us. Everything's paid for. Your sins are forgiven. Even the ones you're going to commit when you leave here today. And he won't be mad at you. And you won't get punished. And he's not going to hang it over your head for a week until you said you're sorry 3,000 times. You know, the Catholics, at least they don't have to say 10 Hail Marys. But us Protestants, we like beat ourselves up for weeks on end, depending on the severity of this. That's craziness. It's not how the, it's not, it's not the gospel. That's not the heart of God. It's all paid for. God loves us so much that he made sure the price was paid so that he could just hold us. And all God wants with us is a relationship. Prayer is really about relationship. I mean, the closer you are to somebody, the more you want to talk to them. And Tom, I think that might be one of the, one of the, one of the issues that we were talking about. Like, why don't people want to pray? Who wants to talk to somebody if you're afraid they're going to... But that's not the heart of God. That's not how he operates. Wow. Today is Father's Day, and I'd like to tell you that we all have a great, 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 great father. I know you know that in your heads, but I believe today God wants you to experience it in your heart. And so we're going to have a, a bit of a ministry time today. And before we do that, you know, maybe you're visiting because it's a special occasion or something, but... You know, I gave, I shared the gospel that God loves you and that he died on the cross for your sins. He was raised from the dead. And when we put our faith in that, God's, all our sins are forgiven and we can begin a whole new life. If you are sitting in this auditorium today and you've never put your faith in Christ to forgive your sins, this is a really great opportunity. So I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their heads a minute. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 